welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Hello, I'm your host, Andy Moss, and I am back on the mic with Staffing Stories, and I'm excited to be here. I had a little bump in the road past couple of months called cancer, and so I am healing up from that and just glad to be back with you all. And I've got a special guest coming right out of the gates, uh, a good friend of mine, a fellow entrepreneur, and somebody you probably know in the staffing realm, Mr. Jack Copeland with Staffing Future. So Jack, welcome in the hot seat. Thanks, Annie. It's good to good to be here, and good to good to hear that you're back and fighting fit. Well, I'm 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 here, but it's uh, but I'm I'm doing great. So I appreciate you uh, being willing to be on the the first welcome back uh, session. <laughs> awesome, I'm loving it. Pleased to be here. And you're and you're a newlywed. I mean, this is, I, I mean, yes, that's pretty exciting for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, married now. Got married in February in uh, in Tulum, so uh, in Mexico. It was uh, it was good. It was uh, you know it can be pretty disruptive, right? Getting married, <laughs> organizing yep. it all. My uh, my wife did ninety nine point nine percent of the heavy lifting, so yeah. I won't. That's usually I won't the way it take, goes. Yeah, I won't take much credit for that, but trying to trying to make sure that uh, we could get everything lined up uh, for me to take you know a couple of weeks out the business and everything else was was pretty challenging and uh yeah had a had a, a bachelor party a wedding and a honeymoon sort of all rolled into one over a two-week period so it's great fun <laughs> it, it, it's it's an exciting it's an exciting time so i know getting away from your business is always hard and you never really ever get away from it so you know that yeah absolutely yeah I'm, i've forced myself not to check my emails for about four or five days which was a pretty pretty big moment for me <laughs> but I, t- I tell my business partner right if anything goes wrong just text me but yeah. i'm going to delete gmail from my phone i think i made it about three days so yeah it's 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 <laughs> tough but you know everybody in the you know i say everybody most in staffing and that i know know who jack copeland is but some of them may not know the kind of the story behind you and i just um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for several years now, and I, it's a great friendship. But just introduce yourself to our listeners and the ones that may have been under a rock here lately, but just introduce yourself. Yes, no thanks. So um, I'm Jack Copeland. I'm CEO and co-founder of Staff and Future, um, and I've been in the industry for about 20 years. I think it almost be exactly 20 years this month, which is kind of crazy. Um and uh, yeah, Staff and Future, we build sort of tech-enabled websites and job boards. So um, websites and job boards for staffing companies that uh, integrate with lots of things and have their own tech in there to help drive and convert, you know, candidate and client leads. Yep. So when you first got into it, did you actually um, start in the recruiting chair or the sales chair or 20 years so- ago? Dig deep. Yeah, so it was kind of a weird one. So I was I was thinking the other day... Um, 
Josh and my team, his son uh, popped into the office and was kind of watching TV and scribbling on a piece of paper. And I was like, wow, this feels like complete full circle because my, uh, my parents ran a staffing agency for 25 years. So they were oil and gas recruiters. Um, okay. And my dad worked on uh, electrical control systems for oil rigs. Um, so he designed those and on occasion went out to the North Sea platforms. You know, this is all over in Europe, right? So most yeah. of the, a lot of the oil is in the middle of the, in the, in the, middle of the ocean. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so they met, um, they met actually through him being one of our contractors and then ended up starting their own uh, staffing company. And so I remember growing up and not really knowing what staffing was and uh, not really, of course it was called recruitment, didn't really know anything about it. And then when I left school, I was like going to go and get a sales job. And I actually found uh, one in the back of the newspaper and I, I spoke to them uh, and ended up going in for an interview. And uh, it turned out to be a recruitment company. And I ended up just accidentally falling into, not through any connections, falling into that. And um, yeah, it's, it's a weird one to explain to Americans because in the UK, we finished high school at 16. Um, so you leave at 16 and then you've got uh, A-levels, which is like a two-year thing where you slim down to just four subjects. Yeah. And then four subjects, you then pick one, you go to university and you just study that subject. So very, very different to the system out here where you study 18, uh, sorry, you go to 18. And then you, when you go to university or you go to college, you still actually have like other credits you need to do. Yep. It's not, it's not like that at all. So I actually left at 16. My parents talked me out of doing A-levels because I said, I didn't think I was going to go to college and um, ended up working as an admin in a recruitment company um, when I was 16 years old. And uh, wow. yeah, that's, that's sort of how it all happened, really. <laughs> well, you know, staffing companies in Europe are just on every, I mean, everybody is employed usually through a staffing agency, which is the crazy thing. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, the um, one of the, it's like uh, one of the uh, high street staffing agencies on the same road that my parents were on was a company called Kelly Services, right? And uh, they're actually one of our biggest clients. And it was just really, really funny because they're not actually that big in the UK, but I just always remember, you know, being a kid and being like, oh, look, they're there, um, along yeah. with Reed and a few others. And um, and yeah, it, it, I think per capita, it's like number one in the world. So I think it's, it's kind of the staffing market's weird. You've got uh, number one in terms of gross revenue for, for staffing is, is the US. Then yeah. it goes to the UK. Then I think it goes to either Holland or Japan or Japan might even be higher. I don't know. But basically, Australia and and uh, and Holland really punch above their weight. Um, and even even in the UK, I think is one of the top three markets in the world. I think, you know, they're like eighth or ninth for GDP. But um, it just feels like there's certain industries, there's certain locations that really are big on staffing and recruiting and, and others that, you know, yeah, just it's aren't. Yeah, three EIQ. We have a ton of European customers, and it's just it's it's amazing. They seem to be on every street corner, or like a mom and pop, or a small two man group, or it's a uh, it's fun. But you know, you're you're at the forefront of technology. I've always enjoyed talking to you because you see things really as it's unfolding, and you deal with the very large customers and you deal with the small customers. And so you get kind of behind the scenes of finding like the way these guys think and um, kind of walk me through what you're seeing in our industry from maybe the larger companies, how they look at it. And, um, and then also um, kind of how you, the, the small and medium market is, is dealing with it too. 
So I mean, it's a difficult one. I mean, it's such an interesting time to answer that question. Um, I mean, I think everyone's probably almost bored of talking about it, but obviously you've just got the rise of AI. And it, it, it's funny, like I think when we first met, I was doing technology consulting for the industry, you know, six, seven years ago. And uh, everyone, everyone had AI in their name, right? And I, I used to sort of joke, it should, you know, should yeah. stand for automation and integration, right? Or I would be like, hey, we're the only product out there without AI in us, because really it was, it was kind of if-then statements. You know what I mean? It was sort of pretending to actually um, be artificial intelligence or, or machine learning. And then um, since you know, OpenAI has come out with ChatGPT, that's obviously kind of not the case. So I think. There's a lot of companies out there trying to figure out how how does this shake out? How do I yeah. um, leverage this stuff? You know, um, there's obvious use cases with content and design and things like that, or having someone write their emails. Um, but that's obviously the big question that's on on everyone's um, everyone's lips. I think the the smaller companies are starting to be a bit more strategic around the way that they leverage technology. So mm -hmm. you know what I saw was a lot of companies hadn't really bought any technology historically. They weren't really doing enough automation. They weren't really leveraging what was out there. Then they've kind of come in when budgets have been strong and they've gone, okay, we're going to buy all these things. And now they're starting to realize actually it's not about buying them. It's about how we implement them. And, and so people are really trying to double down um in, in those operational roles and 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 getting the tech to kind of work for them so that they can actually yield some results as opposed to just sort of you know buying it and moving on you know well see and that is amazing i mean when the we work with large companies and small companies also and the way some of these larger companies are they're looking at the industry a year or two down the road mm -hmm. and and how they're trying to i mean uh, large companies are like a big boat they're not they don't turn really fast so the the way they adopt things go through um you know use cases and you know just pound on it um you know a smaller company like my staffing company you know we'll bring on our technology our biggest problem is is we don't implement it very well we don't stay accountable to it and then we you use it you may you may not use it and um it's it, it's a fear sometimes when we work with smaller groups like hey you got to use these tools and hold people accountable to give it a run yeah absolutely it's that it's that whole sort of process change and and building the workflow around it and making sure people are leveraging it and but that's that's you know when done right that's the advantage of smaller companies right that's if you look at i was looking at the top um top 20 uh, on SIA. And it's amazing in that I've lived in the US for 11 years now, which isn't a super long time, but uh, whereas it was a long time, but not. Yeah. <laughs> but over that period, you know, I, I, I've seen that that top echelon of top staffing agencies change so much, right? There's new ones yep. in the healthcare space that are rocketing up there. There's new ones in the IT space that are rocketing up there. And some of it's through M&A, but a lot of it is through, you know, they, they come in, they don't have this giant technology debt. They don't have, um, you know, this legacy product and stuff that they have to be dealing with. And so, you know, we noticed that when we work with some of the larger companies, there's some that have been fast growing and there's some that have been around 60, 70 years. Yeah. Um, or maybe not maybe not that long but yeah getting close to it um and and obviously the 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 impact of uh of the sort of tail end of all of their technology history means like to your point they're like these big oil tankers right it takes them like a a week to change direction yeah, and the advantage that that the smaller companies have is they can be these little speed boats and just run yeah. rings around them, you know yep and that and we and that's we encourage that because it's just competition <laughs> drives everything so when you look at our industry what excites you right now in this Follow-up question is, what is concerning in our industry from your point of view? 
Um, so excites me in terms of uh, I'm, I'm probably going to focus a little bit on on not like what we do, obviously, but just the stuff that sort of comes across our desk. So right, so so we're we're very involved in the marketing side, um, yeah. and so I think what's exciting is people have really started to double down in the tough markets on the candidate experience um, when they've been struggling to to get candidates. Now they're starting to focus on the client experience. So yeah. it's really really exciting to. Uh, see organizations start to think of you know their candidates as consumers and their, their their clients as people who are you know shopping online with a digital profile and start to pick up some of the um, ideas that other industries like e-commerce and you know um, places like that or, or the, like the travel industry as well and I don't mean travel nursing we do a load loads of travel nursing clients but if you look at you know the way that the travel experience is when you book a flight or when you search right like there's been so much focus on uh, the consumers and the way that they shop online and we're starting to see that now happen within staffing within the way that people market um it's starting to get a level of sophistication around that candidate and client experience and i think it's it's like really really needed it's really overdue um for that to be the case so very excited um about that in terms of um you know what concerns me i think obviously everyone's a bit worried about the economy at the moment um yeah. but uh so it'd be interesting to sort of see how how that one that one plays out um and and also you know just some of the way that um ai is coming into automation like i, I just hope that um you know you talk about people not implementing things well and things like that i hope that yeah. we don't end up just going burning a load of bridges by by getting really really spammy with some of the stuff that comes out there. Like, you know, yeah, of course you can get um, ChatGPT to write you a blog or, or write you an email, but you know, it wants to be done from a place of um, high authority and good information as opposed to like, oh, everything's just quick and dirty, you know, cause yeah. it could, it could become um, very, very messy. And, 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 you know, people are already becoming pretty immune to a lot of the noise that's out there. It could, could go even further in that direction. There's a, there is a, a movement, I think in, the buyer of who buys staffing, they kind of want to control the process. They kind of want it in their hands, like a mobile device. Like how can I get to the, to my purchase yep. without having conflict? And the generation we grew up in was like, Hey, I'll get someone to go do this. Now the group, the young ones coming up is like, I want to, I want to do it. I want to be part of it. I want to, you know, it's like searching for a home. You don't go get a realtor anymore. You just go to, you know, Zillow and just start looking yourself. It, it's, yeah. it, I'm seeing a little bit of that, but you know, you can't do it all on your own, but a lot of it is going to be the, the self shopping, the self paced uh, searching. And we're just uh, um, assisting in that and doing, uh, bring a lot to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, how many emails you get, how many phone calls you get, you know, how much opportunity there is out there. And it's not that the human element isn't there because it absolutely needs to be there. It's just about when it comes into play. And I think that's the bit that people miss. It's like, you know, we have such the uh, such an ability to decide who we're going to talk to, how we're going to spend our time, what yeah. we're going to look at, what we're going to investigate. And I think there are companies out there that just miss that chunk of it. Right. And the trouble is, is it, it's I would say, but they don't know 
know what they don't know, right? So they, yeah. they don't realize how much incrementally harder they're making it on themselves without having a strong, um, you know, digital footprint across the board um, in, in getting people to call them back and getting people to answer their phone and getting, you know, leads to come out and, and reach out to their website, no matter how good their brand is, their process is, how high touch they are with their clients and with their candidates. You know, all of these people are used to going and looking at someone's LinkedIn profile, looking at their website and basically just doing some discovery beforehand. Um, even even to the point, you know, we've got clients now that have been in high end ret retained search for a long time. You know, we, we don't post jobs, we don't post jobs, but they're starting to post jobs, not necessarily on paid job boards. They're not looking to generate applications. They're looking to basically have those jobs to market out to prospective talent because they're starting to realize that talent, you know, doesn't want to commit to a 30 minute conversation without no. having a rough understanding about what they're going to be talking about. So um, they need, they need a, a, you know, a method to get that across to them. Well, one of the, the movements we've made at 3D IQ is our skill marketing. It's our latest thing where we're taking our top talent to the market and letting our customers kind of, okay, I like that one. I like that one, either looking at a blind, you know, kind of a blind pitch, but we, as recruiters, we talk to so many good people, but we kind of caught in this. We need to have the job before we do the submitting. It's like, look, if you've got a great individual in a market that you know is looking for that, well, you got to take that to them and yeah. let the customer see it. So, you know, you know, with your websites and with tools that, you know, you can kind of market individuals. It's just a, it's a, it's a lot. It's, I think as an industry, we are missing the opportunity because we are talking to the talent and instead of using one person, let's use 20 and try to, and try to create opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're, 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 if you think about staffing as a concept, right, everyone will, will, people are so used to selling their own business that over the years, as I qualify prospective clients or I talk to them, they all have a tendency to tell me that they're a little bit different. Right. And, and I'm sure they are, but you know, how many pitches are there out there for a staffing company? Right. There's, there's hundred thousand at least globally. Right. And there's, I'm high touch, I'm local, I'm yeah. process driven, you know, I'm, whatever it might be, um, there's only so many uh, different ways to sell essentially the, the same thing. But if you've got a candidate that you've got a relationship with and you are marketing that individual candidate into a prospective client that needs that candidate, that really is your only truly unique selling point um, at, at that time. And, and you know, there's opportunities where they might be already working with other staffing agencies that they prefer that don't have that talent. Yep. There's also just opportunistic hiring, right? Like we see it all the time. Like we have about, about 35 staff mm -hmm. and sometimes we go, well, this is the list and order of, of how we're going to hire. But if someone comes through with the right opportunity we might move move that role up and say well mm -hmm. actually the third role we we're going to hire for is now the first or actually there's someone here that's got you know enough talent there they're an a-star player we're open to it or even like well maybe they can they can do 80 percent of this role and maybe just help out with another 20 percent here because we're a startup so I, I think it's probably less you know it doesn't have as much in billion dollar organizations but if yeah. you're working with you know startups or small and medium businesses like absolutely they might they might just find the opportunity in front of them and look at it it's how e how easy is it to break into a new account when you have a resume of a guy they want or a girl they want? I yeah, mean, exactly. It's super easy. Yeah. yeah, super easy. So, I if I'm a sales rep, I'm selling that way versus yeah. hey, give me a chance. Well, I don't know you. I don't know. Yeah, you know, well, I've got a person here. You know, what do you want? Well, I I think the other good thing to sell on as well, uh, that I, and I've, I've been saying this since we first started, started to meet back in, in, the, in the days when I was doing tech consulting, like sell on your tech stack, 
you know, no one seems to do that. Like if you can come in and you can build this whole technology workflow and start to actually present your process, but, you know, with the technology that you're leveraging and, and because of that, it means the candidates have a better experience because of that. It means the clients have a better experience because of that. It means we've got a faster time to hire because of that. We're able to reduce costs, which allows us to be more efficient, you know, like using this as a way to sort of explain how this ultimately benefits the customer. That's, that's, you know, really, really powerful. And because that is going to be unique uh, to you. I mean, you know, there's, 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 there's only so many different permit, like there's so many suppliers out there. There's a lot of different permutations of potential tech stack and process that you can have to the yeah. point that what you put together for you is, is going to be pretty unique. And, and if you can sell a story around that and why it works, tie it into some case studies, you know, that's going to be an awful lot better than, than the, you know, the other people that are just saying, Hey, you know, we're local or, or, yeah. or like oh, our recruit has been in the market 20 years, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I totally get it. So looking at your career, and what things would you go back and change if you could? Oh, God, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, you know, you've got to, you gotta, I hate to be like the cliche, I wouldn't change anything because it's all about where you wind up and all the rest of it. But, you know, I, I think it would it'd be, I, I think when I first, um, uh, when I first left Broadbean, I took like a year, year out. Um, and I started a mobile application game called called Authors on Acid, and I didn't really, you know, know what I was doing, and uh, I don't think I really knew what hard work was, like like an entrepreneur does. Yeah. Um, and and I was weird. I was my green card was pending at the time, so I couldn't leave the country. And I sort of look back and I go, man, you know, I've been working full time more or less since I was sixteen, and uh, and and that year was not was not a great time. You know, I would much rather have taken a year out when I had a green card and and could come back and done some yeah. traveling or leverage that time a little bit better um, or really gone and tried to have my first entrepreneurial adventure be something that was a little less ambitious and maybe a little bit more within my skill set. Uh, and instead, I kind of wound up a bit sort of on an island, you know, sat around all day. Everyone else was at work, you know, trying not to spend too much money, couldn't really go anywhere, trying to get this business that I didn't really know anything about going on my own. And uh, it was actually first three months were pretty fun. After that, it was uh it, you know, it was pretty tough and, and started to feel like a bit of a waste of time. So I'd probably go back and, and uh, give myself a bit of a pep talk about, you know, <laughs> it's maybe better to try and try and things that you have a bit more of a chance of success with and uh, and go and immerse yourself in hard work instead of, you know. <laughs> I think it being an entrepreneur is you better be tough to handle f failing because it's it's going to kick you right in the teeth and, and it, I'm not many entrepreneurs just like hit the lottery and just, Oh, no problems. Just. Well, it's, 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 and it's like sales, right? It's like, you're not, you have to be really busy, but you're not that busy, right? You're launching a new business and you haven't got anyone to talk to and you know what I mean? And so I think that's the bit that, you know, probably I sort of missed as I was, I was getting a few hours work done each day and kind of running out of things to do and being like, Oh, well, you know, and, and so it's, it's just when you really want to learn something, you want to launch something, you've just got to utterly immerse yourself yep. in that industry and in every conversation that you can have, you know, like have it first, then, you know, after a while, as you get busy, maybe you can be more selective around, who you talk to and what you do but unless you do it how else you're going to learn and so um you know i was talking to a friend of mine that's launched his own business 
um, about that at the moment. And it's, uh, you know, it's definitely the way to go. And I think when we launched Staff in Future, we were doing tech consulting before, and that really allowed us to have a conversation with all the suppliers in the industry and a load of prospective customers and find some of the gaps, right? And so yep. I think that's a, sometimes a really good way to go about it is just to come in going, actually, I don't really know, you know, what I'm doing. I've got a loose idea. Or I'm just going to learn, 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 and then pivot, you know? <laughs> yep. Well, you've created a great business and I've loved watching it blossom from, you know, from the concept you talked about to now. So congratulations. And, you know, it's, it, you're a good friend and I appreciate you being on my show. And as I wrap up, so I always ask my guests, okay, if you're streaming something right now, is it Netflix, Hulu, what, what's your show? Oh, I got there's loads of them, right? Um, so I uh, just finished Ted Lasso. Anyone who hasn't watched Ted Lasso, you've got to watch it. It's not really about soccer. It's yeah. sort of like warm, heartfelt comedy. But I think I think the cat uh, the cat's out of the bag on that one. I think most people know that's good. It's won a boatload of awards. Uh, we're finishing up on Succession as well. And uh, my 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 dark secret is that I also watched this show called Below Deck, which is really trashy <laughs> reality TV <laughs> about a whole load of people on on, uh, on yachts. On, on yachts, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, like, you know, it's cringy, but it's just like it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like I, I watch Succession or something, it just stresses me out. You know, I've had, a, I've already had a stressful work day, and then you people putting together billion dollar deals and all sorts of intense drama happening. I'm like, I'm gonna go and watch Below Deck and watch two people argue about, you know, champagne service. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I appreciate it, brother, and thank you for being on, and good luck. Awesome. Thanks so much, Andy. Great to be on the show. <laughs> See ya. Bye. The Staffing Stories podcast is brought to you by 3DIQ, founded by recruiters for recruiters. 3DIQ's industry-leading product suite complements your submission process in Bullhorn from start to finish and helps you deliver a cutting-edge customer experience. Triple your placements with our powerful resume submission platform, candidate marketing, and client portal. Visit 3diq.com stories to learn more.